So coming into Melbourne and doing a market was has has given them a sort of it's like the almost like the bread and butter, and then they go off and do perhaps um, you know we've created an online store um, as have so many others, and been able to keep up the um, contact with with people and little supply chains that we've all been able to build. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. When the restaurant industry went into lockdown, food retail boomed. With supermarkets allowed to trade, it meant more people were cooking at home. But not everyone likes to get their groceries from the big supermarkets. Some prefer a greater connection to the food they eat. Farmers markets all across the country provide that connection. But with the confusion over public gatherings and restrictions, what impact has that had on those who like to shop at farmers markets and the producers who earn a crust as stallholders? Miranda Sharp is the founder and director of Melbourne Farmers Markets. Miranda, how are you going? I'm very well, thanks, Huck. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're glad to have you here. You've had quite a turbulent six or seven months. The restrictions and rules are a bit like shifting sand at the moment. What, what's the current situation for the farmers markets in Melbourne? Um, at the moment, and dare I dare I say it, it feels a little uh, calmer, more stable. But mind you, as soon as I've thought that over the few months, then there'll be some some change, some upheaval. But you know, we've we've learned to roll with, and of course, we're pretty philosophical that we've just got to suck it up like everyone else. Um, and we're by you know overall we're incredibly thankful to just being able to 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 keep trading um, as much as we have been able to, but you know it has been incredibly challenging and there've been times that were it not for the number of people who rely on us, it would have been a lot easier on our. Um, on the demand and the and the stresses and the and frankly the mental health on on our front line um, among other among you know as well as the sort of economic um, pressures and so on to have have you know gone into hibernation because the sheer hard work has just been like never I've experienced before and um, and that's saying something because I'm a dinosaur in this in this field in hospo and and food and in um, Victoria and you know my like many like all of us we're working pretty bloody hard. There's been many hurdles over the last seven months for the farmers markets in Melbourne and a lot of hoops to jump through but there was well, there was one period of time with a lot of confusion where the government shut down the markets and then decided to change their mind only a few hours later. What what, what sort of impact did that have on all of the various farmers markets? Uh, look, initially, to be honest, I, it was disbelief. Um, we had been so vigilant um, for this was the third week of August, I think it, the, it was. Um, so since March, you know, we'd engaged all sorts of um, protocols and precautions and signage and and um, you know infrastructure and. <laughs> sanitizer and you, you name it we had it and and turned from being the welcoming wonderful um shared environment that we that we love and we cherish about markets we all do um to being a very 
um, matter-of-fact organisation with protocols and, and um, you know, stripping stripping our markets of all the wonderful stuff. Um, so having done all that, it was sheer disbelief that we were suddenly um, taken, uh, you know, out of the um, permitted work environments and essential food services to be literally with no warning um, in in the exclusion uh, category and no explanation and no contact whatsoever with us. And it turned out that after with a, um, um, a little investigation, which, you know, was not easily forthcoming, I must say, um, that it was the it was the behaviour of of a single market, um, not an accredited farmers market. The weekend before, on a su- on the sunny Saturday afternoon, that you know the irresistible stuff to let a few extra people in and to hang around, and and we were all we were all taken down by it. Um, so that was pretty it was pretty gut wrenching to to feel firstly to sort of realize that well we really don't count do we we really we really have not um uh we really are pretty anonymous in this in this um in this sphere so how quickly did the government reverse their decision in regards to that well we found out um first thing on the the friday morning um and finally it was overturned at the 20th hour on the friday night at um wow after yeah it was a it was a big day it was a very big day what sort of impact was that having on all the stall holders they would have pulled all of their vegetables out of the gut of the ground and you know what, what can you tell us what happened in that period that's right well, it was a, there's a, you know, because every single business that we deal with, which is, there would have been, on that weekend, we had two markets on the Saturday and one on the Sunday. So, around 100 different, 100 um, businesses or, you know, those who overlap but are doing all three or one of three markets. Um, so, each one is different and you can't, we can never just do a blanket response to any one without the next one being different. So, you know, you you um I know that people were already in Melbourne because of the lockdown. They they had to get in um, you know, earlier than the than the curfew. Um there and there are people who are really unfamiliar with Melbourne. They're they're anxious about coming into Melbourne sometimes. And a lot and all of the producers, I can think I can speak for all of them. Um, you know, it's a big ask in under any circumstances, let alone under these. And, you know, every piece of um, advice is, you know, stay away, stay out of Melbourne, don't move around. And here we are, you know, each and every business being doing exactly the opposite to, to keep trading and to, to keep us fed. So people were on the road, people were, you know, quietly horrified at home. People had had picked. People had baked. People had, um, you know, were, had staff um, were sitting in their vans, um, you know, or furiously offloading to other to other um, uh, where they could because they thought that all was was lost. And um, yeah, it was just a debacle of. Um, um, because there was just nothing we could do to assure them one way or another 
um, that it was on or it was off. In fact, when it got to six o'clock at night in the evening and we were still, we hadn't even had our meeting, uh, the, the sort of pivotal meeting that ended up being the one that, that got us over the line, we pulled the pin. We said we can't be, you know, this is this is rude to just keep um, people dangling. We have to concede defeat. We have to... Um, to uh, let them know, and then you know, within within a couple of hours, we were back on on the phone saying, "No, no, you know, if you can make it, you come on down." And then the weekend was just a tumultuous couple of days weather-wise. But I'll tell you, we've never been happier. I think to you know, stand in pouring rain all day. Farmers markets have had challenges with the big supermarkets, irrelevant of COVID. What did it feel like in that experience being sort of classed as non-essential when the supermarkets are full? Yeah, it was pretty gutting because that very week it had been announced that I can't remember which had announced, you know, just um, monumental profits. Um, And we all know why because we were all kind of herding in there and, you know, whether it was hoarding toilet paper or, or, um, or, you know, bunkering down um that's just what the majority of us did and it's typical i mean it's typical of our usual behavior it's about 95 percent of us who shop exclusively at, at supermarkets um sadly but uh yeah it it was really it was it was very um demoralizing to say the least given what we'd we'd um, persevered with for the last few months. You deal with some extraordinary producers and uh, bakers and all sorts of people with the farmers' markets. What was the impact on them given the restrictions and the, the fact that it's their livelihood but you just couldn't quite get the numbers through that you would normally get? Oh, I think over by and large is sheer gratitude. Um, to, to them, we have become very, very relevant um, because so much, sadly, of Hospo and and all and a lot of their um, their usual custom has has disappeared through this. So it became very um, essential to to have as a as a lifeline, um, and to you know when we've we've all kind of created new um, opportunities through through on the on the you know, spin of a coin, um, to try and survive. So coming into Melbourne and doing a market was has has given them a sort of it's like the almost like the bread and butter and then they go off and do perhaps um, you know, we've created an online store, um, as have so many others, and been able to keep up the um contact with with people and little supply chains that we've all been able to build. Um that yeah, that otherwise probably would have been disconnected completely because of their main supply being lost. You're the founder and director of the Melbourne Farmers Markets. Can you take us back to those... I'm the dinosaur. <laughs> Can you take us back to those early days and, and why you started them and, and what it was like? Oh, they were very heady days. <laughs> um, I... I yeah sort of been been around for a long long time um firstly as a caterer in the 80s and 90s a little little business that was you know trying to um find a find a a way to differentiate ourselves in a in a sort of cluster of of um 
small businesses doing a similar thing, you know, doing spring carnival, doing boardroom lunches and weddings and all the all the gear. Um, and I couldn't, we couldn't buy from individual producers. We always seemed to have to go through a distributor and um, it was a pretty impersonal experience um, and didn't, didn't allow us to kind of carve our own way because everyone was doing the same sort of, you know, with their, where our ingredients were coming from. Uh, and then my next um, sort of incarnation in the in the biz was right was exactly the opposite in writing for the age for epicure and from a different perspective i sort of felt the same um sentiment that we were just disconnected further and further disconnected from our from our primary producers and writing as a as a food journal even though i was sort of moonlighting with no qualifications um i was finding that it was all about you know there was a lot about the press release and a lot about the packaging and a lot about the and the, and it was in the the days as as uh as the sort of celebrity nature of the industry was developing which is you know just fantastic that we're able to um we have this diversity in in victoria and australia but I I personally think it's without any swipe at anyone else. I think it's got, I think it's really heavily um, uh, weighted in one direction. And where would us, where would our industry be if we didn't have our primary producers? So I felt that it was time to, you know, having been lucky enough to travel and um, enjoy the the spoils of of a market culture everywhere else um to that it was time that you know act the the growers themselves um had a place to to take the credit and the full dollar for what they do and and that's even within our incredible market culture in melbourne you know with the vicky market and preston and dandenong and everywhere and other permanent markets and uh, all sorts of other things but just nowhere where you were standing behind what you grew or what you made, um, you know, directly and directly talking to your to your customer. So it was at the time when the Collingwood Children's Farm was um, pretty desperately fighting off the residential development and a huge community um, upsurge to um, to uh, oppose that, uh, which thankfully was won. And um, so I knocked on their door, and and they were they were sort of almost bro- so broken that they they didn't have the strength to say, God no, you know what what would we <laughs> what are we letting ourselves in for? <laughs> and so we um, yeah we started, and and it's a, a very it was a very proud day for me when when it was acknowledged that the financially the the farmers market saved the farm um some years later and the and the premier uh, Steve Brax at the time premier um announced the when the government gave back the um the land to the people the St Helier Street um area including the Abbotsford convent now uh you know that was on a second saturday of the month and the crowd was there in force and um you know so it's yeah i've i'm a very 
I'm a very happy Melbourneian to have, um, you know, been a part of that very, very big mobilisation for such an important outcome. Well, it's incredible what you've achieved. There's, you know, Coburg, Carlton, Alfington, Collingwood, Abbotsford, Gasworks. I mean, a little earlier you mentioned about accredited farmers markets um, as opposed to one that wasn't that perhaps um, broke the restrictions earlier. How important is that accreditation and what does it mean? Um, it's, it, it's, it's, an, it's a sort of strange environment. I'm, I think I'm naturally a bit of a rule breaker and a, and a, you know, pusher of boundaries. But in this territory, I think there's, when there's, um, an environment that is, would be so easily, um, manipulated because we have no regulation or legislation, um, governing us, which I'm not sure whether that would be a hell, you know, a curse or, a, oh, or um, advantageous, but simply there is none for farmers markets because they're by law they're common use words. So we, in the very early days, we sort of could see that this was um, there was a likelihood that it could be either really commercialised or really, um, you know, really bastardised by um, having it just anything goes. And then how would we stand up? next to a greengrocer or the Vicky market and say, you know, we, we, we're not just having a, a piece of your action, we're doing something quite different um, and there's a reason for it. So together as a, as a group of like-mindeds, we thought it was pretty straightforward that we just had to have some, um, some boundaries that we put upon ourselves to say this is who we are. It's not – and it now, it now does have state government um, – uh, recognition and it's you know it's a it's an a triple c um uh registered um uh structure but it's still opt-in you can still start a farmer's market you know next door and have no um it's not about management credentials it's it's about it's about the substance of the market that we just feel is has to be transparent and that is about being able to know where each and every, why each and every um, stallholder is there. Uh, and, you know, you can, you, can be, you can be caught out, you can make mistakes. We, we certainly have, but it's acting on them and being as true to the, um, you know, to the principle as you possibly can be. Um, and that's really the, that's, that's the guts of it. And, and out of that has come a, you know, a, a pretty robust system. It's not it's not um, perfect by any means, but if it got more traction, it would certainly have much more um, reach into how a local food, how you know a farmers market um, um, environment would work within a larger local food sector. And there's certainly um, international comparisons that are that are, are really worth. Um, you know, recognising because they work and they are they have such they have had such growth. They're a lot older, um, you know, a, a, an environment than ours, but they have such a place in a local food system. Um, so that's what we're striving for. It's a long haul. Has there been any producers or farmers or storeholders that have been with you from the early days that you've seen grown and blossom? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, there, there, there are still people from day one 
who who are there from you know they were at Collingwood Children's Farm on the tenth of, of October two thousand and two, and we didn't know what the hell we were getting ourselves in for or how much harm. <laughs> but um, you know. It, it's just amazing and they are dear dear friends and you know people have come and gone we've lost people we've we've seen people move on to great great things um you know or or a new and next generation that's incredibly exciting we've got you know household names and rock stars amongst us and and then there are just really people a lot of people who just prefer to do what they do and be be experts in in you know growing their product and couldn't give a rat's about anything else, um, but they're you know incredibly proud. And they are the real rock stars, I reckon, sort of because they don't seek it; they just do it. You're obviously very very passionate, and it's a great love of yours, farmers markets. But how important are they to our society, and and what's at their core? I think that yes, I am. I'm I'm a dead set die hard. Um, evangelist, but um, and I'm the first to admit that, and it comes at a comes at a cost to anyone who knows me and gets me started on the topic. <laughs> but in perspective, I think that it's really only you know it's only one part. They are not the salvation to the to the to our problems in in um, in our food system, uh, and it's why we've fought really hard to and to diversify and to bring and to coordinate and, and collaborate with lots of different community food organisations, with industry, with media, with everyone, anyone else, um, because we're in this together. We It's one of the few things in life that we have to do when we, and, you know, it's a, it's a sort of, you can boil it down to that move, you know, use it or lose it kind of thing. And if we don't look after our local agriculture, whether it's, um, you know, signing up to a CSA or buying from a green grocer, an independent green grocer, or um, you know, dropping into a farm gate or or going to a farmers market, um, it all adds up to that little loss, little chink in the strength of of our um, of our sticking of our sticking at it together because the the challenges are you know so outweigh um, the the rationale probably really but um i think it's now you know become a we can see the changes in supermarket culture just in language in in their sort of you know even in the superficial stuff of their of the setting you know that it's become there's a sort of it's like the jolly farmer is somewhere there out the back <laughs> Or, you know, um, it's this you're meant to pick up. That's the way the spiel has developed. Um, but And I think the, the, the whole sort of um, home, the pride in, in cooking at home and cooking, um, you know, more the, the way we talk about traditional stuff and, and cultures and, and um, embracing um, diversity so importantly in a... In a in a country that you know, it's, it's what we say we do. So you know, food is food is the is such a conduit to to um, opening doors and um, sharing um, our our background and and our future together. So, but farmers markets are 
you know, just a part of it. It's been a real time of reflection for many people and people have reevaluated what's important. Do you think farmers markets will become more important moving forward for our society? I hope so. I think then again, you know, we're constantly reassessing it as other as other things come in, you know, are is this model is this model still relevant? Should we be changing? Are we how do we how do we turn more into um, being, you know, accessible, convenient, affordable, um, and and everywhere, you know, in why, you know, we get a lot of, you know, flack that it's that we're that we're exclusive and elitist, and which is is just too hard to counter when you're trying to be, um, you're trying to provide a platform for people to set their own. Um, pricing and 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 structure because they're individuals they're different from the next small business then to be told you know that that something is too expensive there because that's the sort of landed price but then you go to a big store or a glamour shop or a or a high-end restaurant or something you don't go in and you know either you walk in those doors and you go this is is this is this value for money um, yes, no. You've always got the comeback, sure, but to have a slight at at, um, at a at a at a producer who's worked their guts out to be there and to bring it to you and done their own, you know, picking, packing, transporting, marketing, oh, and throw in a bit of social media, you know, chutzpah. Um, you know, why aren't we? Why wouldn't we be paying a retail price uh, and a and a healthy one at that? Given that it's got, you know demonstrable um uh animal you know ethics and integrity behind it um we're happy to t- we're happy to take the the knocks where it's where it's valid but i'm i'm pretty tired of um you know trying to have having to justify what we're doing um all the time when really what we're trying to do is one thing we can't do it all but we're trying to do what we do well and that has a reason for it but in saying that, then we're also one of the things that's been really making us tick this year has been we're a founding partner in Moving Feast, which is um, an initiative of, whole, of um, uh, a whole lot of social enterprise rat bags in the who we who we're very proud to call our mates uh, in this town, who've been really focused on um, on emergency food relief first and foremost when um, things were really in crisis uh, and making sure that both vulnerable Victorians and um, primary producers were matched together with the shortest, um, you know, supply chain. And for us to be included in that and that our, our producers valued in being part of those who were losing you know in hospital the hospitality losses were was a great was a great um um shot in the arm i suppose to to be a and also an incredibly um valuable piece that kept us um trading and operating because we had a reason for as i said earlier for those people to to still come to melbourne because they were able to supply in quantity into um, into industry um, making food and and supplying produce boxes like the 
awful weekend of the North Melbourne and Flemington lockdown um, uh, tower um, where we were able to get all that produce in there within, you know, I think 48 hours, a thousand um, food, um, fresh food parcels. And that was just, it felt amazing to be a part of that response that was so, um, had such a, talk about a double, is it a triple bottom line we talk about? You know, it had such good coming out of it. And, um, and it was all driven by, there was, there was no um, request for it. It was put forward by the social enterprises um, and particularly driven by, by Street, the, um, and a fabulous Beck Scott. Um, but, you know, an incredible thing to work together on. Uh, and it's things like that that I think of just, that's what I'm taking away from all this is um, the, yeah, things have changed. We're not doing things solo if ever we were. This period of time has taken a lot of energy from you and it's been quite quite full on trying to uh, look after all of the farmers markets and ensure their longevity. What's 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 it been like for you personally? Uh I yeah, look I, I've never been more um anxious, I suppose, in in my life, partly because I primarily because of just holding, trying to hold so much together and, and feeling so responsible for our, our crew, um, working, just working, you know, beyond beyond their capacity if they weren't working hard enough in the first place, but, and our, and our community, um, but also just feeling a part of the, the part of hospitality that was just so crippled and terrible um, has been has been a, a terrible strain I think on on us all. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sure my my family have certainly suffered my <laughs> for for my um, you know madness in the last few months. But I can't apologise for that because it's the only response to have to have had was just to try that bit harder and strangely coming out of it well if that's where we are now who knows I feel incredibly energized again I feel so determined and so um um kind of I've got renewed faith in in what we can do now and and do together um as long as we pull together and as long as we are able to turn a whole lot of rhetoric into reality and that's about sort of you know um, fast tracking permits and all this outdoor living we're going to do this summer well we're gonna it's not easy folks I've been doing that for a long time and it's not a not an easy thing to just turn and start doing when it's and I I think that's what I I fear for for um, restaurants and and uh, and cafes is that I don't know how that's going to be possible um, in a practical sense. And so therefore we've got to do it together and, and open up and, and, and make that a reality if, um, because we're sure as hell determined to get them back on their feet. After such a huge change for the global society, um, what, what, what's your hope moving forward beyond this pandemic? 
I think the, the well, the rule book's kind of gone out the window, hasn't it? <laughs> and which I think is a good thing in a lot of ways. We've got very set in our ways and our habits and our of, of what was the what was the norm, what were our structures and our um our um our kind of what we thought was important. And now I think now I think we've got perhaps a a new landscape to just work it out afresh of what's really important and I hope that that means we're we're looking more um for in in our industry at all parts of the sector and that when we talk about rhetoric yes we all want to know where our food comes from <laughs> easy to say but not necessarily what we what we follow through with and that's from us as individuals for all sorts of reasons there are barriers and, and challenges but we can try and we're now we're learning you know how satisfying it is to grow things ourselves and to make our bread and to and it doesn't mean that it takes away from anyone else it just means that we've we understand it better it's it's this subliminal um you know educational experiential education that you you can't you can't buy it um you learn it through interaction and and genuine involvement in things and so i just hope we i just hope we come together and continue to um to keep learning and to to keep um really uh you know sharing the sharing the simple things and and enjoying enjoying our enjoying our cooking and our, our sharing and and um as well as getting out there and and getting right back into restaurants and um everywhere else to 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 so that we we rebuild together well miranda what you've done for so many in the food industry is quite extraordinary and we're honored to have you on deep in the weeds today uh, please keep in touch and we'll talk again soon Thanks so much, Huck. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPO community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.